Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to A Little Bit Dusty, all things country, rural, and outback Australia. Grab a hot or cold one and enjoy the conversation ahead. Okay, g'day folks. Welcome to the very first episode of our show, A Little Bit Dusty. This is a brand new podcast and I'm your host, Tyson Godden. And if you haven't heard the intro already, we're going to be talking about all things rural country and outback Australia. Uh, travel, the Stories of travel, stories of history, um, stories of uh, disasters on the road, all sorts of things really. Um, again, this is all just from a curiosity and expressions of interest uh, from my perspective and other guests on the show too. Um, obviously, I wasn't raised or didn't grow up in those kind of areas, so some of the issues I won't have too much of an opinion on. Uh, some things I might have to trade carefully on, but um, it's just for yeah, lighthearted enjoyment, just for the sake of uh, understanding some more parts about our country, where we can go and see different culture, wildlife scenery, and um, yeah, just understanding a bit more of the importance of uh, you know why we should go and travel and see these places and the kind of communities that are about the certain areas, whether it's in New South Wales or Queensland or West Oz or uh, you know Northern Territory or you know anywhere in the country really. That's a different landscape everywhere you go, and um, yeah, I'm very excited to share some of my stories and for some of our special guests to share some of their stories as well. Hopefully, it inspires everyone else to get out a map, go and yeah, travel somewhere different you haven't been before, and start your own adventure. Um, I've done a couple. Over the last couple of years, I uh, did a big trip in 2017 and I was fortunate enough to go to the Birdsville Big Red Bash with my dad in 2019 and hopefully if the Sydney lockdown lifts by about the start of August and I'll be doing a big three-week trip out to Broken Hill again. I'm doing um, stagehand and crew work for the Monday Monday Bash Festival which has got an absolutely stellar Australian lineup, and uh, it'll be very, very exciting. All in my trusty old station wagon. Uh, it's been through the ringer, and it's uh, been a reliable workhorse, so I'm keen to, uh, yeah, hit the road again, but um, remaining optimistic and not booking anything as of yet in case anything else happens with this pandemic. But um, enough about the COVID. I wasn't going to try and talk too much about it, but it is something that's happening, so it's something we'll have to try and stay on top of. So in this episode, we're going to be talking to a very special guest. I'll give you more details when the episode starts. But until then, enjoy our very first episode, episode one. If you're a fan of the show, be sure to tell your friends. Uh, share this around on social media. It'll be available on wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you've got a story to tell or a couple of stories of you know where you've travelled or things to look out for or any other kind of stories of country and outback Australia... Be sure to send us a message on Instagram. You can find us at underscore Big Tys, B-I-G-T-Y-S. I'll be sure to have a read. And uh, who knows, you could be our next guest talking about places you've been and that can encourage other listeners to 
go get their map out and uh, you know go see some sites they haven't seen before because uh, honestly I find that's the most exciting part going and checking out a place that um, you know you've heard about but not too sure about what's out there but as soon as you get out there onto the dirt road or there's hundreds of k's of just nothing but wild goats and emus and kangaroos and cows and that of the matter that's where it gets really exciting you know grabbing the dirt feeling it between your hands you know letting it stain and understanding that you're actually are on different country it's a yeah it's a very exciting process and I know that I get a kick out of it every time that I go and travel somewhere new so yeah if you've got a story let us know send us a message on Instagram and I'll be sure to check it out But until then, enjoy the very first episode of A Little Bit Dusty. All right, folks, welcome to the very first episode of A Little Bit Dusty. Uh, I'm your host, Tyson Godden, and I have been holding off, but our very first episode, we have a very special guest. You might know him from a bunch of podcasts, Flat Stick, Fun Catch-Ups, On the Road Again, and Phone Hacks. He's also been a guest on the Little Dum Dum Club. I had the pleasure of watching his tuxedo traveler geek in Sydney, and we all ended up getting uh, <laughs> pretty blind at the Warren View Hotel after that. The man needs no further introduction. Nick Kappa, how are you doing, mate? Hey, mate, I'm doing well. I'm bloody, um, you know, uh, talking to your fine self. Uh, it's good that the the shoe is on the other foot for once, and you guys are in lockdown, and when we're just chilling out, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, Melbourne's done the hard yards and now the tables have turned and, uh, yeah. you know, we're in our third week and everyone's crying like a bunch of, I don't know, <laughs> bunch of wusses. But, um, yeah, compared to what you guys have done, what, half the year, can imagine we've only just dipping our toes into it. So uh, we'll see how we go with Gladys and Gonzo and all the other premiers making their crazy uh, Little Tunes choices along the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a real – yeah, it's really crazy. It's so weird. I I, I couldn't even believe the, the figures you guys had. Like that is just some wild shit. Like that's just yeah, insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts compared to yeah, and especially I've been seeing from Sunday there was about five thousand people walking all over Manly Beach and no one's taking the stay at home orders too seriously. <laughs> oh really? Oh man, I haven't kept up with anything like that, but yeah, that sounds mm. like a but pretty yeah, it's um, gonna take eight days it comes and see what yeah, happens. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. Um and yeah. So, uh, what's the uh, what's the what's the what's the job? What's the podcast about? What are we doing here, man? So, this podcast I've started because um, I've done a fair bit of um, just traveling around the outback over the last kind of five years or so. I've been to all yeah. sorts of places. Uh, you know, Birdsville, Walgett, Narrabri, um, all know, the exotic places. Yeah, a few exotics, and then a few uh, and a few, yeah, a few kind of uh, you know smaller towns. But um, yeah, I've just had a bit more of a, a curiosity and expression of interest in all things kind of country rural and outback Australia. And uh, yeah. being born and raised in Sydney, um, it's just every time I go out there, I always just find it's a nice kind of release. It's a good way to kind of just get out of the hustle and bustle and put my feet up and, um, yeah, just go out and head to the red dirt. I get this kind of uh, just real enjoyment out of um, out of heading to those kind of areas. So I just wanted to share my stories and have other people share their stories about other places they've grown up in those kind of areas or other places they've traveled to. And hopefully the listeners can get a bit of inspiration to start traveling around our own backyard because it's a massive country. For sure, man. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's, that, well, this is a great idea. I love it. Yeah, no, um, I love, you know, well, I'm from Moree, uh, always hated growing up there. I was a city, city boy. At, uh, I thought, I thought I was a city man. I loved heavy metal. I loved art. Doesn't really work out in the country, Tyson. Doesn't really <laughs> heavy metal and art. Yeah, they don't really. Yeah, they don't really have a big following out there, you know. Um, and it's like it's so barren and shit, dirt, and there's no good restaurants. And 
But then, after living in the city for a long time now, I um, I uh, take me back out of the country any day. I love it. I love it. And kind of the 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 more characters, the more stuff that goes wrong, the shittier the pubs, the better. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Um. So I've got a couple yeah. of questions here. Um. One of them you've kind of already answered. Um. I originally thought mm. you were from Gundawindi originally, given that I've seen your uh, Port mm. Palace special and everything else as well. So you're originally from Moree. What was the uh, what was the go there? So you grew up in Moree and then went to Gundawindi after? Oh, mate, well, uh, I'm a bit of a liar, actually. And if you took note of the show, you would have noticed that I am from Bumai, which is an hour from Moree and also an hour from Gundawindi. Ah, I'm like in between. It's right in the middle. So Moree... Maury is like the Shelbyville of Gundawindi. It's the, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Maury is a weird place. It's kind of like Martin Place in the out in the middle of the desert, you know. It's uh, quite business-oriented. Uh, it's one of the richest agricultural districts in Australia. Yeah, whereas, um, uh, whereas uh, Gundawindi has more of a community feel. You know, it's not as rich, but it's 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 got a very community vibe about it. A lot of... Uh, a lot of young people who grew up in Gundawindi go back. Yeah, yeah. okay. Oh, there you go. So what age yeah, did you yeah. move out of Bumai? Um, yeah, when I was 18. Yeah, when I was 18, I moved to Sydney. Yeah. Um, before that, I went to boarding school. Um, so I'd, I'd come back to Bumai, uh, you know, a couple of times. Uh, yeah, a couple of times a, a year or whatever, or, or a term, sorry, twice a term I'd come back. And, uh, yeah, it was – Bumai has got like, uh, well, I don't know, 60, 70 people in the town. Wow. And then, and then probably, you know, you know, it probably gets to the hundreds, in the, including farmers in the local areas, you know. Oh, okay. To a, to a 50 or 60-kilometre radius. It's probably, yeah, five, maybe 500 people or whatever. It is, yes, that's know. pretty spread out. Um, so would it be yeah. fair to say that uh, the people that kind of grew up on farms or rural areas – uh, maybe choose to leave to see kind of more exciting opportunities given how kind of uh, stripped back and a bit more, some, some would say, the outside would say like relaxed country people are, but is that because of there might be a bit of a uh, like a lack of activity or things to do for people that are a bit younger? So that's why they want to make the change? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, probably I hope things change now due to the internet. I think people – uh, creating more opportunities out in the country. I don't think there was tourism in places like Moree or whatever, really. Um, but then now it's really picking up because of the internet and, and people like yourself in Sydney, they don't want to see, you know, I talk about this in the show and stuff. Pe- people don't, people are tired of fucking, I don't know, going mountain biking or, or hanging out by the pool, you know. They want to go somewhere where it's, where they go to a rodeo in the middle of the desert or they, you know, they, nice they, they meet some characters. Yeah, 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 exactly, man. No, that, that's exactly it. So so I think uh, that's what's really happened. But, yeah, that's that's the majority. Yeah, young people did leave. But it's hard to leave a town like that as well because the, the money is good. There's not many young people who want to work out there. And if you work in a cotton uh, farm or the gym, you, you, the gin or whatever, I remember I got paid like I was – 21 I was 21 uh what I'm 38 now so 17 years ago I was on $800 a week driving a tractor like yeah right you know that, that was that was cash in the hand that was that was after tax there you go 
so you're just on this fantastic money, but you're kind of doing, you know, deadbeat work just driving. Well, it's not deadbeat work. You you do have to concentrate a bit and stuff, but. But yeah, yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. A lot of people leave. A lot of people leave, they were worried. A lot of people leave the country and they don't come back. They go to uni. You know, a lot of people go to boarding school and they want to go to uni afterwards. Um, they don't want to stay around the town. But now I think a lot of people do come back. Yeah. yeah. So they just have like a bit of a stint just for a bit of a change environment. But then uh, knowing, I suppose, if you've grown up in those areas, like the roots and the foundations of your community and everything else, that's, you know, they're coming back after you kind of say, like ticked a few things off the list. Mm. Yeah, definitely, man. They're they're hard places to live, you know. Like, um, we often I often talk about the uh, the women who go out there. They're they're heroes, you know. Like my mum, she didn't know what she was getting into, you know. There's you hear stories of my my all my mates' mums. A lot of them came from the city or whatever. Didn't know what to expect, and then just all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, like it takes them an hour to drive to the shops. You know, people like my mum, same. But they just deal with it, you know, and they my mum said it made her tougher and but you don't really want to go back to that. You know, you've been in the city, you've been in a town, you've gone to uni, even in a, a place like Tamworth or whatever, and then you go out to the sticks, like no nothing out there. It's a hard existence to live in, you know. Yeah, I could imagine. I want to um yeah. just elaborate a bit further on uh your parents as well. I know that um from my understanding your they both owned a pub in Maureen, was that right? Were they how did how did your how did your parents come about to growing up in that kind of area or being in that kind of area as well? Um, by the sounds of it, so your mum was from the city and then moved into that area as a change of environment. And then that's obviously shaped her as a, as a person, uh, fair to say. But um, you guys have, so you had a pub in Moree and how long, how long did you have that for? And what was that kind of experience like? Um, well, see, mum and dad, they owned, a, well, they didn't own the pub. Mum and her, mum and her mother and her auntie, um, my great aunt, she, she grew up, uh, in pubs, managing pubs, running pubs, and they leased the girly pub. Yeah. They, they'd gone through a, and they'd gone through a horrible time because my, my mum's sister had died. So they didn't know what to do with their lives or whatever. So they, they hired this, uh, they, they leased this pub and, um, yeah, it was a bit of a big mistake back then because, uh, the, um, uh, a lot of tra- a lot of truckies would cash checks and the checks would bounce and oh, they didn't no. have yeah yeah it was it was a hard existence very high yeah, risk yeah, yeah. yeah okay and um also uh but yeah dad worked on a farm around there and uh he um he came from zambia uh he went to boarding school in england um but he his yeah his um grandmother was uh australian she came from perth she she did a around the world trip when she was like 18 got in the paper because she was a woman doing a around the world trip, like in the fucking nineteen twenties or whatever, and that would have been nineteen forties, yeah, yeah, almost a hundred years ago, yeah, too. Yeah, now you just go into STA travel, but back then it was like, wow, woman traveling, you know. Met my grandfather in uh, Zambia. Uh, he was working as a banker there in one of those British colonies, and yeah, um, that's when my dad decided to go back to Australia when he was twenty and got to Perth, liked it, but then he just hitchhiked all the way around. Uh, got to uh, Moree where he's working on a farm. He, I think he was picking. He told me he was picking cucumbers or some some shit like that, and it was horrible. And if you got there late, you got the shit cucumbers, and you and he was working like, you know, fifteen hours a day for like, and he got like four bucks for the day. And some farmer guys, the farmer guys, like man, 
you and your mate work so fucking hard, but you've really come at the wrong time. I'll put you in touch with Cotton. Cotton's where the big money is. So, right. I was about to ask so that's you what my kind dad. Of, oh, sorry. I was just about to ask you what kind of um, what kind of farm work um, yeah, your dad kind of was got into. So it started out with picking cucumbers and then moved into cotton. That's quite a. That, would you be fair to say that's quite a big jump? Yeah, yeah. He picked tomatoes. He just did whatever he could. He was very hard. He's always the hardest. He's probably one of the hardest hardest worker I've ever seen. He could. He's re, he's uh, nearly seventy now, and I, I think he could still. He's still stronger than me, and and uh, and and tougher in every way. I think. He could, that, he could get out work old anyone. school kind of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't give any. He would never. He's so humble about it. He would never tell anyone or anything like that about it. Um, but yeah, he did that. He picked tomatoes as well. But yeah, he was just following the money. Um, but he liked cotton. Cotton is a. It's a cool. When you first get into it, it's cool, man. It's you get to irrigate. You get to muck around with water and. And um, it was a new thing back then, you know. Making uh, cotton was was big, and it was big money. Yeah, so so he went from four dollars a day to, you know, I don't know what wages were back then. He said he, he said he was he felt like a millionaire. You know, he he had all this money. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, he met my mum, and then I they just followed um, cotton farms. He started managing cotton farms, and then he he managed. He got he got offered the job out at uh, Bumai. Uh, on this big farm called Karamba, and um, yeah, it was a really big deal. Yeah, he got a big house and he got moved up quick. Yeah, so he was he was set. You know, yeah, yeah, forty thousand acres. The uh, the biggest, uh, I think, it was the biggest privately owned cotton farm one in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's so. huge. Yeah, yeah, huge man. You could ride your motorbike all day around it. Nearly forty thousand acres. It was it was fun, man. Yeah. He said at the biggest, I think he played, planted 12,000 acres of cotton at one stage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Far out, that's huge. Mm. It's, I was, mm. oh, it, always, it always interests me driving out to some of these or going past some of these big properties where you see whether it's, um, you know, whether it's cotton or uh, any other thing that's growing in these, things, in these kind of areas and thinking like it's just, it looks like it's just such a, lar- such a large amount, but um, there is such a demand for, you know, all these kind of products as well, so it has to be just kind of, you know, just plonked in one spot, I suppose. But, yeah, it's 12,000 acres of cotton that just – it seems like a lot, but then if you're p- planting that on a 40,000-acre property, you can imagine that, um, yeah, it seems like a suitable size because of the demand for cotton that would have been at that time and a lot more, in the you know, in today's time as well. Yeah, man, yeah, it was huge. It was like uh, – I think it was a tax dodge for some American guy um, at the start. I think so, yeah. He used to, he used to fly out in a Learjet. And he would, yeah, come in and yeah, because cotton is um you made big money out of it. Probably not so much anymore, but you would um, but it, you made a lot of money, but you had to spend a lot of money because to, to move the earth around to make a cotton farm is, oh, it's millions, man. It's millions. It's just as you would know as an engineer, getting the uh, paddocks to to run the water off. You got to put them all on a slight angle. Then you've got to have drains at the bottom of those, and then you've got to have these big dams, these big reservoirs that were like a kilometre squared. Wow. Um, and it was just normal for me to drive around them, but then I realised that no one grew up with big dams in their, their houses. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, we had like four or five of them. They were great. Yeah, yeah, man. It was it was the best place to grow up, yeah. So, yeah. That's, so that's the kind of farm that you grew up on, a big cotton farm? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of yeah, what it was kind a of lot work? Of fun. What kind of work did you, were um, were you assigned uh, with, with the cotton farm um, and, and the process of getting you uh, being able to drive a tractor and that sort of stuff? Would you were there certain uh, people you're able to chat to to get courses to get you certain licenses and that sort of thing, or was everything just kind of out in a whim because you're on the property? You could just give everything a bit of a crack. Yeah, that's it, man. The second one. Yeah, you just give it a crack. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, they had some safety precautions I had to follow, but really, just watch a video. It's one of those videos where, you know, when it's really fake, you just see the bloke, like, hit the hit the nail in or whatever. He's like, oh! You know? <laughs> <laughs> there was, like, a like a shitty VHS uh, kind of thing where it's just like, you know, yeah, yeah, it was real fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good, man. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, there was never – Dad would put you on the – well, when I started, he would put you on the shittest tractor. So he'd put you on, he'd put you on the shittest machinery to start off with, and see how if you lasted, then you get the you get the good one. But because he said, once you got the radio and the air conditioner and all that kind of stuff, you stop concentrating. If you go straight to them, you've right, like, yeah, you've got to go on the shittest machinery first. No radio, no air conditioner, open cab. You'd have the smoke blowing in your face. Um, uh, yeah, just slashing all day and stuff. Uh, that's when you appreciated the the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I suppose if you're like kind of uh, learning to drive a car and getting off your first car as well, you wouldn't want to be going to spending a big monster on your first car once you get, you know, just a basic one that's got a few things wrong with it. But if you can master that, then you can, up, you know, upgrade to one that's got a bit more luxury and then be a bit more comfortable and have the momentum, that sort of thing too. Yeah, yeah, that's it, man. Yeah. And it used to get the, uh, if, if, if we're at the pub and, You'd see the drunkest dude ever, just off his chops. And Dad knew how to work the next day. He'd put him on the worst, put him on the worst <laughs> job. Like he'd put him on a. I remember when there was this Kiwi bloke that got really blind in the pub. Really nice dude. And then they um, they put him on this this old tractor that was like forty degree heat, you know. And he's just yeah, right. got this fuel trailer and sweating bullets. You know? <laughs> At the end of the day, it's still work that has to be done, and that's the vehicle you got to do. So you just got to get in there and give it a go, eh? <laughs> and sometimes, man, that would fix your hangover. Sometimes you'd be like, "Oh, I'm fine," you know. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I've I felt that, you know, having big nights and then knowing I've got to either, you know, mow like a four-tier level lawn or whatever, and you go out there and you start sweating for the first half hour, going, "Oh, geez, I can feel my Jack Daniels come out of my veins," mm. but then two, three hours later, you're going, "No, I'm good. I'm fresh now. I feel like I'm just going to run a marathon. Like I'm, you know, sweated out. Yeah, I'm yeah. good to go." <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true, man. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very nice. That's um yeah, it's interesting to hear a bit more of your your yeah, history of you know of, of that that kind of style of farming too. Um for people who travel out to, you know, different rural areas and small towns, that sort of thing, if they're say from uh, a C B D or a popular city area or whatever, uh I suppose This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Taking, if they're just there for a day or two, or I know for myself at least, it's obviously a different environment and you kind of think, well, oh yeah, this, you know, this is just you know, totally different from any kind of major area. But um, I suppose it would be a, a person kind of you know, going into that area as a tourist wouldn't really understand uh, any kind of problems that are in those small towns. What do you reckon... Are some of the problems that are facing rural areas and small country towns uh, today? Oh man, I, I wouldn't really know. I haven't lived out there, you know. I don't know. Well, I think that. Um, I mean, I haven't lived out there lately. You know, not not in ten, fifteen years. You know, uh, I remember that it was hard to get people out there. It was really hard, and because the backpack would only work in the tropical places and all that kind of thing. Whereas the backpackers that did somehow get out to Bumai, they were like, wow, this is amazing. This is really shitty, wild Australia, barren wasteland, and we're earning insane money. This is great. You know, like, this is so good. You know, some people would be like, I can't do this. This is the worst place I've ever been. Uh, Other people, yeah, it was so good. So, yeah, man, it's... um, I think that was a case. I don't know if that's anymore because of the internet. I think the internet people are able to go out to uh, access country areas a lot better and more people go out there. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're afraid that, that you know, these towns do dwindle and a lot of more people move to the city. But I think now people are tired of Sydney and places like that and they want to go out to the country. Yeah. I don't know, man. I really don't know. Um, Probably water, I think, usually... You know, the weather and things like that, um, climate change, I think that's affecting uh, those places. But, yeah, I, I couldn't really tell you, man. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, no, it's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, even if you haven't lived yeah. there that long or whatever, I do know that um, yeah. once we had, uh, when we had the, the bushfires, um, yeah, in, in amongst the drought and everything else, there was uh, there was always on, I can't remember what channel, maybe Channel 10 or whatever, there were, count, there was, I think, Dubbo and Orange and a few other areas, they're always counting down till day zero. And that was the day that they would have zero water capacity in all those towns. And it was yeah. a bit it was a bit worrying. I was kind of thinking like, well, there I am watching it, you know, on a flat screen TV, you know, in the middle of a, you know, a busy area, or whatever, what can I kind of do to kind of sort it out? But then luckily you now had a massive influx of rain and um, you know, it kind of was a bit more of a saving grace. You know, a lot of dams were starting to get back to past forty percent capacity and that sort of thing as well. But um yeah, could yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, environment is a big factor. I know that um one of my mates, his dad's friends uh, lives up near 
probably what probably four hours north of Chinchilla up in Queensland. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. there was one point he had, I think it was 30,000 head of cattle. And then the massive flood mm-hmm. came and he's, you know, he was away from his property for all. He came back about what, two weeks later and he's left with about 4,000. The rest had just been washed away. <laughs> he's just kind of gone, fuck, that's Whoa. like 90% of my cattle all gone. What the, what do I do? You know? And yeah. Kind of asking everyone around the area and they've gone, weren't you here? Like there was a massive flood that's wiped out pretty much a lot of our a lot of our stock and our crops we've really got to almost kind of start again yeah yeah man uh, yeah i don't know yeah yeah i think uh country towns would uh, will only benefit and they'll only get better and better and better i think you know it depends on the community as well i think like uh you know when i was lucky I, like i saw my parents being they were very com- community spirited they uh yeah and just for nothing they would do working bees and everything for nothing like they moved away from Bumai you know now everyone is kind of virtuous they they do virtue signaling they're like oh they only do stuff to really show that they've done it on Instagram or whatever whereas like I don't know back then I guess you just did it because you're just like well it's going to make the community better I I should do it do you reckon there was a better sense of community maybe pre kind of social media where everyone's kind of doing it just for the gratitude of making the area kind of a better place and improving the area rather than going, check this out. I've done this good thing, you know, and hopefully I get about, you know, a hundred likes from it kind of thing. Yeah. I think, man, um, there's a bit of that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know. I can't tell you for sure. Um, it, it, you know, it goes in ebbs and flows, you know, years ago when I first started comedy, two years in or whatever, I was like, comedy, stand-up comedy is going to die because everyone was watching Game of Thrones and all that and getting DVD box sets. And I was like, that's going to kill comedy off. That's going to kill live comedy. But, nah, if anything, more more people come out now to see it. I don't know, you know, because of the internet and more people are like, wow, I never knew comedy existed in Australia you know, so you don't know. You go, oh well. You know, the, the social media people will stay in their houses more, and people will be on their phones more, and things like that. But then maybe you go out to Boomai, and you're like, little people are like, well, it's cool because, uh, yeah, we go out more than ever. You know, my parents they had, yeah, they had a better social life than anyone I've ever knew, and they were they were they would drive an hour to one dinner party and then drive home. You know, it's just what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard for me to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I suppose an advantage of social media as well is, is um, you know, even though people either on the phones, uh, constantly, you do have that kind of broader, um, opportunity for information, and to also, you know, have people go, well, oh look, yeah, there's this place around, this is around, this also, this occurs in this area, yeah. this area is just out, you know, probably two hours of, this, you know, out of the Gold Coast and. They have this things you can do here. So I suppose that can give people an opportunity to go and explore uh, more places in that way as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think like also <coughs> I think it was hard for people to meet people in the country, you know, you get paired up and all that kind of thing. And then now I think you can just set Tinder to like 300 kilometres. I don't know <laughs> if they have a radius that I haven't used it in a very long time. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, you could do something like that. I think it'd be most likely, you know, your your stepmom or something like that. Or <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about your um your comedy career because obviously I'm a massive fan. I went and saw your show with my old neighbour and his six year old mum and her friend. That was uh, quite a night. 
what made yeah. you want to what made you want to get into comedy? Uh, and how did you how did you kind of start? And what were the kind of the little kind of ups and downs along the way? Um. Oh man, I don't know. I guess like I'd I'd, I'd uh, been traveling around overseas. Uh, I'd lived in Sydney for uh, a couple of years, and then I moved back to the country and earned some money for two or three years. Then went traveling around the world a few times, and then came back and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. But I was like, "Oh, look, I want to kind of go and go to the city and just work in some kind of uh, entertainment, but not." Comedy, I didn't think of stand-up and nothing scared me more than doing that, you know. But, yeah, I, I'd seen, like, Dave Chappelle and the Mighty Boosh and all that kind of stuff, I guess. Uh, you couldn't get two more different influences, but <laughs> I guess Dave Chappelle was so cool because he, like, told a, a story. Funny, you know. His stories were, like, it, you know, he had a lot of comedians that had punchlines. I didn't really like punchlines. Even though I use them a lot now, but back then I didn't use punchlines. I would, I would, I would, I really loved Dave Chappelle because he would always have these uh, nuances and things, which was new to me. I was like, "Wow, you can do stand up and and just tell like a story like in a funny way." Uh, and then you had Mighty Boosh that were doing something totally different. They weren't using punchlines at all. That were like all fucked up all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so yeah, I came up and then, um, and then uh, a friend of mine said I said I should do stand up and and then um, I said okay, I'll give it a go, you know, but I'll I'll get all my my friends to uh, come and see me. And um, yeah, they came and saw me, and the gig went good. And then I got invited to do another gig from a booker that night, and uh, I did I did a gig the next night, and that went pretty good besides having a really small crowd. And then I invited everybody I knew to the third gig and I bombed so hard and I was, like, going to quit then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bombed real bad and um, I was like, well, I'm going to quit. You know, it was just silence, just the worst bomb. Not one laugh at all. And uh, my friend goes, my friend goes, oh, man, that's, uh, that's, you guys, usually people don't have a first, Good, two good gigs first up, you know. He goes, you should you should keep going. So, yeah, it was good. It was a great thing to look forward to every night, you know. I guess uh, when, I lived, when I worked as a graphic designer in Sydney, I would um, I'd get a pizza at Domino's, like a 4 or $5 pizza, and I'll watch The Simpsons at 6 o'clock, then watch Neighbours, then watch The 7 o'clock Simpsons, and then watch Seinfeld. I think, or Seinfeld was at seven, and then just keep watching TV uh, and then go to bed or I'd maybe do a little bit of drawing or something, but nothing really. And I was like, oh, there's got to be something more than this, you know. So when I came back to Sydney, I knew that. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to go far in comedy or anything. It was just something to do at night. The, I, I, I love making my own thing rather than watching someone else's thing. Yeah, that right. was cool. So it was mainly something just to keep you busy, so you weren't just stuck at home, and then it eventually just kind of escalated from there. Yeah, but I mean, also like subconsciously, subconsciously, like it sounds so dumb, but 
like I was 25 at the time and subconsciously you do you do hope that some bloke will be up the back with a cigar going, you know, you're right, kid, I'll, uh, here's all the money, you know, and then they, that you are secret, like anyone who tells you what I just told you, they are subconsciously going, hell yeah, of course I want the fucking money and, you know, I don't know if I want to, I, I, don't, I don't know if I wanted to be famous I, I I kind of liked just having some one thing that I was good at because I'm not I'm not good at uh, anything really. So it was the one thing where people were like, "Oh wow, you're good at this." So that was nice, you know. It was nice. There you go. That's yeah. not bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I was bad for a long time. I just was like, uh, you, I didn't know who I was, and uh, and then I got real good. But now I think I'm bad again. <laughs> oh, that's that's for that, that's that's for uh, your, your other audience to decide. I reckon. Uh, I reckon you actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know. Like I haven't I haven't felt it in a while. You know, you've definitely got a very unique style about you, and um, I think that's uh, what a lot of people enjoy too. Um, especially, uh, I'm not going to give too much away if you're special. Everyone can see it on uh, Nick Happer's website, but. Um, just the way, just uh, yeah, the, the heckling about the tractor. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just going to leave it at there. But um, the way that you've executed, you know, that story and uh, you know, in, in your comedy and um, yeah, a lot of people have have, have deemed you as the most agriculturally in depth Australian comedian. <laughs> Would that be fair to say as a title? <laughs> um, yes, I am. I'm all those good things. I think I'm Australia's funniest comedian as well. <laughs> um, Definitely better than yeah. Carl Chandler. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you got to see him live. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, nah, mate. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I just had it as an angle. Once there was a joke, I'd say, and I'd be like, "Oh, due to my agricultural background or whatever," and it always got a big laugh. And my mates like, "Oh, you should lean into that, like agriculture," you know, and. And I didn't lean it on purpose, but it just felt natural to me, you know. It felt natural to just talk about tractors and stuff. For some reason, people really liked it, you know. Well, it's just totally completely different rather than someone talking about how high they got or bloody, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, or just drugs or, or, oh, I rooted this girl and, you know, she said this or just anything that someone could always pick out of a book, you know. I think, um, yeah, yeah, other topics that, you know, like agriculture and other things that people haven't heard before, once they get into a real in-depth kind of story and then especially when it's got a killer punchline at the end they're just kind of like oh that was that was refreshing i haven't really heard any material like that before <laughs> yeah i'm trying to i try to do that man i if it, it, for anyone who wants to get into comedy or um that was a good uh, little sidetrack for me because i wasn't able to write any good jokes I, you know i wasn't as good as any other comics i was just starting out i wasn't good but i thought okay well what if I um, just wrote, talked about different stuff? Um, so that's kind of what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was very lucky. I had really good, really good tutors. You know, people would. I forget there was some rules. Some someone told me, don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about. There was there was all these hack premises that people are like, don't talk about that. I think the oh yeah Hitler like the war that was don't talk about that um, 
Yeah, and and once that was told to me, I was like, yeah, everyone does talk about this shit, you know. Uh, so I was very, very lucky to have some good comics to tell me that, to stay away from that. But but now I'm a bit better, so uh, I heard this good advice from Stuart Lee, which is there's no such thing as a, a hack topic, just hack perspective. So okay. the fact is, like, don't – you do hear a lot of comics talking about Jesus, but there's a lot of – most of the any time you hear about it, it's shit. So the thing that's already been done. So of course everyone thinks Jesus jokes are shit. You know, it's like uh, I thought improv wasn't good, but I just hadn't seen good improv. And when I saw good improv, I was like, "Wow, this rules! This is excellent." But I just had there's just so much shit out there. <laughs> I just need to see the good stuff. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for, um, any of our, yeah. for any of our listeners who's listening to this and uh, wants to go out and hit the road but they're not too sure uh, where they want to mm. go or how they're going to approach it, what would be uh, some little kind of a, a bit of advice or tips and tricks for, for someone who hasn't hit the dust before and is keen to see some uh, some sites and some small towns? Uh, yeah, man. Oh, I just think have an open mind and go to the – yeah, just go and see anything, do anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, just have an open mind and just go out there and just see these places and, and try to go inland, try to go west, try to go to the, um, yeah, yeah, you, you know, because it's just, uh, and, and always talk to people. People always want to talk to you in the pub. Brett Blake and I, we did this um, motorbike ride. We went, we got stuck in Yarrawonga. We're just sitting there. The bar lady's so nice to us to answer all the questions. There's always some dude just sitting by himself who wants a chat. You just got to welcome those. Yeah, you just got to you got to look at Google Maps and go, okay, look, we got the highway here, or we can go through these real small towns in a row. Sick, let's do this. You know, yeah, and and do things that way, and don't don't stay in the fancy places. Stay in the stay in the shit places. Stay in pubs. You always meet some characters staying at pubs, you know. Yeah, it's always wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes for all the more of exciting experience. Oh man, you always get the best tales, and yeah, as I said in my show that you watched, um, yeah, that you really do get the best stories from the from those um, shitty little towns. You know, find out what's going on, go and see the stuff, and uh, you'll never regret it. You know, then that's why you know. Yeah, people always came out to boo my, like my uncle from Sydney, my my auntie from Sydney, my my other uncle from Brisbane. They always came from the cities to come out to boo my every year without fail. They always came out. The mud, flies, dust, horrible conditions, but they loved it. Loved every minute of it. You know, so so that's what you gotta do. Yeah, keep an open mind and and uh, yeah, head out there. You know. And don't worry about being prepared. Who gives a shit? That's all part of the adventure. People go out there with their fucking, you know, their weekend warrior mobiles with all this the king's thing hanging off the side and all that kind of shit. Don't worry about any of that shit. Just go crazy. Put an old mattress in the back and whatever. You know, it's all part of it. Yeah, yeah, just do it in your sedan or, or your hatchback. One time I did a road trip in a um in a Fiat, like this little blue bubble Fiat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I borrowed off a friend and we loved it, you know. Yeah. Destroyed it, but it was fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good, mm. mate. I reckon that wraps up our very first episode for A Little Bit Dusty. 
Um, mate, thank you oh, very much for being a part of the show. I've absolutely loved it. Um, it's good to hear uh, a lot of different topics that um, yeah, I haven't really heard from um, from your perspective before. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug, anything that's uh, coming up or anything that uh, any listeners can kind of check out to see more of your material? Um, yeah, man. I just, uh, yeah, the Phone Hacks podcast. That's my podcast. It's, a, it's, it's the worst podcast ever but also the best. Um, it's both of those things. Uh, yeah, yeah. See that. I mean, listen to that. And yeah, I'm on Instagram. That's got all my stuff on it. So yeah, have a look at that. Kappa Flapper. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me, man. It's been awesome. Good luck. Good luck with the podcast. No worries. Cheers, Nick. Thanks again. And uh, thanks for tuning in, listeners. We'll be sure to uh, keep you updated on the next episode very, very soon. But uh, until then, hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, mate. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.